And I've been uh, embarking on this series called The Best Version of You, even in the Saturday service. And it started off with the first, uh, first part of the series, which was entitled New Wine, which I also preached here in the service. Remember, we talked about the grapes? Yeah, new wine. And then we, there, were, there was a five-part series. And today, actually, this, this particular part is actually the final part of the series, even for the Saturday at Five service. And I, I'm honoured and privileged once again to, to share the beginning and the end with you. <laughs> Praise God. All right. So this morning, the title of my message is called Life Beyond Limits. Life Beyond Limits. God has called you for a life that is beyond. Amen? How many of you believe that? I mean, God has called you for a life that is beyond. God is unlimited. And if you believe in Him, you are tapping into a, limit, into a source that is limitless and beyond, that's beyond our past and beyond our current limitations. And I'm taking this weekend's message from the book of 2 Timothy. I'll be taking several scriptures from different parts of 2 Timothy. And uh, to, for a start, we're going to start reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 7. Can we stand to our feet together? Let's read the Word of God together. Eh? How come? Uh? It didn't turn up to be 69. I don't know what happened. Okay, never mind. Alright, can we read this together? Maybe put it on the side screen so that they can also see it. Alright, let's read it together. One, two, three. Thank God whom I serve with a pure heart, pure conscience, for my forefathers' days. As without ceasing, I remember my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word breathes life. Your word, O oh God, is truth. Your word, O oh God, sets us free. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that God, every heart here will have uh, uh, an openness in their heart, O oh God. Everyone here will have an openness in their mind to perceive and receive all that you have called us to be, to perceive and receive all the promises, O oh God, that you have in store for our lives and to live out a life filled with purpose and filled, O oh God, with all that you have for us to do for your, for your glory and for your namesake. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. Let me give you a little bit of background to this, this letter. 2 Timothy. A little bit of background. It was written by a spiritual father, the Apostle Paul, to his precious spiritual son, Timothy. That's why it's called 2 Timothy, right? Picture this in your mind. Paul is writing from a prison cell. He's writing in a place where he is being held captive. And in this particular season of his life, he has gone through so much. And in fact, the persecutions are increasingly becoming more and more serious and dangerous. Emperor Nero took over as the head of, as the head, and now 
the persecutions have become so, so bad. Remember, he burned half of the Roman cities and he was such an evil and crazy king. So this was a time where Paul was imprisoned, was caught and was imprisoned for his faith. But more than anything, this particular point in his life, he somehow knew that he was coming to an end. It was coming to an end. His life here on earth was coming to an end. This is towards the end of his ministry, end of his, of his uh, um, time where he, he's going to continue ministry or his time on earth is coming to an end. In fact, shortly after writing this book, this letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul was martyred. He was beheaded for his faith. So can you imagine him writing this letter? In these last few moments, whatever he had left, he knew his time was short. And all he needed to do was he was, had to quickly write whatever letters he needed to write to the churches, to, to Timothy, to the people who, who knew that he needed to encourage and he needed to speak to, into their lives. And he was telling, in these last moments of his life, he was encouraging his spiritual son, Timothy, be confident, be zealous, and that serving the Lord was worth it all. It's nothing like a spiritual father or a mentor, somebody who has been in your life to write something so encouraging to you. First Timothy was written to, to Timothy about four years prior to this. If you go back and read First Timothy chapter 6, Paul says this to Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith, Timothy. Do you remember that verse? Yeah, it says, fight the good fight, Timothy. Paul writes that to Timothy. And now, in this second book of Timothy, in this second letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul encapsulates his life once again. And he says, Timothy, I have fought the good fight. And I have finished my race. And I have kept my faith. That was how significant it was for Timothy to receive something like that from a man who was telling him to fight the good fight of faith, he was not just all talk. He lived a life that truly was summed up, that, that really summed up everything that he believed, everything that he has taught, everything that he has said. Right now, towards the end of his life, he says this, I have fought the good fight. It's not just something that I told you to do. A lot of times, we tell people to do things, but sometimes we don't do it ourselves. But this was different with Paul. He was telling Timothy, chapter 1, uh, book for the first book, fight the good fight. And now towards the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. If anyone knew about living beyond, it was Paul. Paul was a man who continued to live beyond limitations. What were some things that Paul had to live beyond? Paul had to live beyond his past. Paul had to live beyond his past. Paul was the guy who, who, remember, his name was Saul before this. He's, he persecuted the church. He was murderous. He was bound up by religion and pride. But God saved him. Jesus saved him, delivered him, and set him free. But I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for a God who helps me live beyond my past. For a God that helps me live beyond my past. My past don't hold me. My failures don't own me. All that I've done in the past is now covered 
and under the blood of the Lamb. Amen? It's now covered and under the blood of the Lamb. God doesn't consult my past to determine my future. God doesn't consult my past to determine my future. People may say, you can't do that because of your past. But God said, that's all under my blood. It's all under my blood. I mean, if you really understood that, you know how meaningful that is. I could give an altar call right now and we could all go home also. Because God doesn't consult our past to determine where you're going to be, what He intends for your life. Amen? Amen. That's, that's a God that you, are ser- you and I are serving. Paul had lived beyond his past. Paul lived beyond his critiques and attacks. Lived beyond the critics and the attacks. Paul looked at his life since he became a believer. He'd been through so much. He'd been persecuted. He'd been imprisoned. He'd been beaten. He had troubles. He had struggles. He had issues. Being a follower of Christ has been anything but a bed of roses. And we think, you know, once you accept Christ, everything should be smooth, right? Everything should be fine and dandy. But being a believer for Paul has been anything but a bed of roses. In fact, it has brought, brought upon himself so much afflictions, so many things that has happened in his life. Some of you seated here, you know, if you had a time to share your story to one another, some of us will even look like, wow, I can't believe you went through all that. And in spite of going through all that, you're still here today. Many of you have lived beyond some things in your life. Amen? Am I talking to real people here this morning? You've lived beyond some things in your life. Paul had to live beyond the the attacks. He had to get beyond the limitations that people put on him. People say you're not worthy. People would tell him you're not worthy to be an apostle. People doubted him very often, very, very often. If you read the books, the Pauline messages, the Pauline um, letters that he's written, all these letters, his, his work... He would say this, he would start off by saying, I am Paul, called to be an apostle by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am Paul, called to be an apostle, to be an apostle by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost to say and to affirm his own calling. And to tell people, yeah, you know, you may think, you may think I'm not worthy, but guess what? You're not in charge. You didn't call me. It was God by his grace who appointed me to be an apostle for him. Perhaps you have been put into positions and you feel unqualified and you feel people are looking at you and say, you shouldn't be qualified, you shouldn't be in this position. But guess what? They're not in charge of your life. God is. Amen? God is in charge of your life, not the people and not the people around you. What else did, did Paul have to live beyond? He had to live beyond the challenges. He had to live beyond the challenges. Some scholars have said that Paul started in his lifetime, in his missionary journey, started almost 14 churches. 14 churches, that's quite amazing. In a lifetime to start and to pioneer 14 churches. Some even say and argue that it's not just 14. He, he started about 20 churches. And out of those churches, there were many other baby churches that came out from it. So can you imagine the amount of churches, the amount of influence that Paul made in his lifetime as after he became a believer? 
But Paul started all these churches on a shoestring budget. He was just a tent maker. He did whatever he could to survive. Finance was never an issue for him. Because as far as he knew that if this is God's idea, it's a good idea. If this is God's idea, it will pull through with or without physically seeing the finances in his hands. He lived beyond those challenges. He lived beyond those limitations that says, cannot, it cannot be done, it cannot be done because I don't have these resources, I, I don't have the people, I don't have the support, I don't have the right people in place. The, the environment is not right. He lived beyond all those challenges. God is really able to do exceedingly abundantly, far beyond what we can ask or imagine. It was never an issue if it was a God idea. Nothing seemed to limit Paul from being all that he wanted, but all that God wanted him to be and all that God wanted him to do. And here he is, the man who lived beyond limits. He was writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. Timothy, if God can do it for me, he can certainly do it for you. And similarly today, I say it to you as well. By extension, it also applies to each and every one of us. If God can do it for Paul, God can do it for you. God can do it for you, Casey. God can do it for you, Patrick. God can do it for you, Pictal. God can do it for you. Everything in Paul's life screamed limitations. Everything in Paul's life screamed limitations. You can't do it. We've all had moments in our lives where everything seemed impossible and breakthroughs seemed that they're never going to happen. And the like as if, you know, that your children are never going to turn around. The business is never going to pick up. You're not strong enough. There's not enough resources. You're not gifted enough. But you've got to come to that point when you realize, hey, like what we sang this morning, I am a child of God. I have all the resources I have in my hands, in my life, to do all that He has called me to accomplish. Amen? Amen. Paul learned to live a life beyond limitations and now he's telling and encouraging Timothy, you can too. Timothy, on the other hand, was cautious. He was timid. He was shy. And he's pastoring a church in a place called Ephesus. Okay, he was pastoring a church in a place called Ephesus and he was going through struggles leading this, place, this church. He had some church folks who were difficult to lead. How many pastors here know what I'm talking about? Don't put up your hands because we don't have them here in glad tidings. Timothy was going through a time where it was, he had some really tough church members in his midst. They were gossipers, backbiters, fault finders, philosophers. Paul knew that he, what Timothy was going through and with the little time he left in his life, he wanted to encourage Timothy, step out of those limitations. Step out of fear. Step out and step into confidence and zealousness in ministry and if challenges were, and even if challenges were around him, Paul wanted Timothy to know that he could live above every assault and everything that comes against the purpose of God in, in, our, in his life. And here are three things that I want to pull out from the scripture 
and uh, that gives that Paul has given to Timothy and to help him live beyond a life that is beyond limits. And I pray and hope that you too will be able to grasp and understand the Scriptures for your life and claim it for your life and live a life beyond limits. Amen? Firstly, I want you to understand this. It starts inside. It starts inside. 2 Timothy verse chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, of, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I can't begin to emphasize this enough. To say that victory is an inside job. Victory is an inside job. You've got to win in here before you win out there. You've got to win in here before you win out there. A lot of people look good on the outside. They seem like they're winning on the outside. But they're actually lost in the inside. I look like I'm so confident and both speaking of you, but my heart is beating. Victory is an inside job. Why do you think so many celebrities, they look good on the outside, but they're all messed up and lost and struggling on the inside? Let me name a few. Look at Anthony Bourdain. Many of us have seen his show, No Reservations. He looks successful on the outside, an adventurer, a traveller. He's gone all around the world, seeing things, experiencing things that many of us in our lifetime will not even have experienced half of them. And yet, at the age of 61, he committed suicide on the 8th of June, 2018. Three days prior to that, Kate Spade, a famous designer. Some of you are holding her handbag and using her wallets. Iconic fashion designer and mother, she died by hanging in her Manhattan apartment on June the 5th in 2018. Robin Williams. Who doesn't remember Robin Williams? As a comedian and actor, he made everyone laugh, but yet he was crying inside. He hung himself in 2014. Kurt Cobain of Nirvana, some of you may or may not know. He was the lead singer of Nirvana who died by self-inflicted gunshot in 1994. And of course, Marilyn Monroe. She was only 36 years old. Actress, successful, beautiful, but she died of an intentional overdose on antidepressants in 1962. You see, victory has to start inside. It is an inside job. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? That it's an inside job. Because I know what I'm talking about. People thought all is well and all is good, everything, but have no ideas, the struggle that, that, that we're going through. Everyone is going through struggles no one knows about. Because once you get the victory from the inside, although the outside circumstances may not change, but you've already won the victory. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says, Stir up the gift that is in you. Paul is saying to Timothy, There is something inside you. I know you're facing some tough church folks. I know you're young. I know you feel unqualified. I know you're against one of the most immoral cities in the entire Rome. Roman Empire. The people around there worshipped the goddess of Diana. There was a temple there that became one of the wonders of the world as well. There was a temple there. It was a place of sensuality. It was a place where philosophers came to to learn as well. It was a place that was so rich in so many things, but yet so poor in so many ways. And Paul was right in this place. Sorry, Timothy was right in this place, pastoring a church at the center of all these things around people who were unrighteous. And Paul was telling, telling Timothy, I know you're doubtful. I know you feel intimidated or anxious. But Paul tells him, but you've got all, you've got everything inside of you that you need inside of you to do all that he has called you to do. You just need to stir it up. Paul reminds Timothy to stir up the gift. The word gift here is charisma, which means divine deposit. There's a divine deposit that is in you and I. There is a divine deposit that has been placed upon Timothy, the grace releasing the extraordinary power of God. There is something that is inside you and me that somehow you survive. That's how you survive when things go wrong. That's how you survive when the bad doctor's report comes. That's how you survive when things go the opposite way from how you planned it. That's how you survive when bad times hit us. There's a divine deposit that is in you. Then the enemy doesn't even want you to know that the victory is an inside job. Many times, we are waiting for the manifestation of that victory. But in reality, the victory already lives inside of you. Many times, we're looking for the manifestation. Oh, when the money comes, okay, that's where my victory is. Oh, when the door opens, that's the victory. But you know what? Many times, the victory is already inside you. Many times, already you need to Get that victory. The inside job has to, you have to win in here before you see, before even the natural happens. Victory is an inside job. Paul says stir up. The word stir up literally means to rekindle, to excite, awake the gift, set on fire, fan it to flame. NIV says fan to flame the gift. It means to rekindle, excite, awaken the gift. Some of you are in a position where you say, God, I cannot do this. But God wants, wants to remind you, awaken the gift. Excite the gift. Excite. Live it up once again. Stir it up once again. It's already inside of you. It's already inside of you. When I graduated from Bible school, I was in my mid-20s. You know, and when you're in Bible school, you can't wait to come out. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, you know, you just want to study, 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 finish your day, you never want to come out. And then when you come out to ministry, you realize, oh my goodness, I think I want to get back into Bible school. Because it's so much safer there, and then, and, uh, and, and you don't have to be in charge, you don't have to do things, you don't have to call the shots. And then several years after that, Pastor Vincent approached me and said, can you take on the role as worship pastor? And I looked at him, huh? Become worship pastor? Okay, okay, never mind, never mind. I obey, I'll just do the role. And I was amongst a group of committee members who had many years of experience in the worship team 
in the worship ministry. Not only that, they were all professionals. A lot of them were professionals. They were all working in high-ranked positions in their marketplace. They all knew team management much better than I did. They knew how to do scheduling much better than I did. And here I was, worship pastor who can't even read a note to save her life. Thinking to myself, God, how in the world, why did you even place me in this position? And all I could say to the Lord was, God, stir up the gift that is within me. Stir up the gift that is within me. Because I don't have it all. I don't have the ability. I don't have the know-hows. I don't have all that I need to, be, to take on this position. But God, you have already deposited something inside my spirit. And God, because you have done it, God, you stir it up. Stir it up. And therefore, I can say today that every milestone, every achievement, everything that we have done, all glory goes to Him. And here I am again at this new role that I've taken on. LCS pastor. What is LCS pastor? I don't even know how, where to start. We've got a great team of management council. Brother Hoffi and the team is amazing. The whole masters are amazing. They've already been there in the ministry for, that, for so many years. And they're not difficult at all. They're such supportive, past, supportive team and pastors who are in this, in this together. But I don't know what to do. And all I can say is, God, you've deposited something in me. Stir up the gifting that is inside. Stir it up. And this is not just for ministry. It is whatever position that God has placed you in. God has already placed that ability in you. God has already placed a divine deposit in you to accomplish all that He has set forth for you to do. Whether it is, I don't know where, what He has put you through. Perhaps it's, it's even parenting a difficult child. Perhaps it's in a position of, of influence that you never thought you could be in. Perhaps it's in, in, this, in this organization that God has placed you in. Stir up the gifting that is inside of you. If God has brought you to it, He will bring you through it. If God has brought you to it, He will bring you through it. Stir up the gifting that is inside of you. There's too much inside of you to let what's outside of you defeat you. Stir up the divine deposit that is inside you. Start spiritual, not emotional, not financial, not anything else. Stir up the gift that is within you. I need you to nudge your neighbor. Nudge them and say, it's an inside job. Come on, tell them, it's an inside job. It's an inside job. You've got to believe it and it starts inside. God has already placed something in you. Stir up. The stir up the gift that is in you. It needs to be stirred up. Many of us have left it dormant. We live defeated lives. We go through challenges and we say, oh, cannot, 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 cannot. Stir up the gift that is within you. It is an inside job because victory has to start from the inside. And then, the natural things will happen. Amen? Amen? Secondly, you've got to do it God's way. You've got to do it God's way. Paul was telling Timothy, yes, I know, I know there are a lot of compromises that you are surrounded with. 
I know that you are going through a lot of things where, where people, you know, it's the, the grey areas seem to be very strong, you know, and, and the philosophers are there and they are telling you all sorts of things as well, you know, and, and they're trying to reason with you. But you've got to do it God's way, Timothy. We've got our own agenda, we've got our own ideas, but you can't cheat your way to success and victory. You've got to do it according to the Word of God. We don't like these rules. We don't like the part. We don't like it because, because our ways are much easier. Our ways are less painful. Our ways are much makes us happier. Our ways are not so demanding. We want to be blessed our way. Timothy was in a place where people like to do things their own way. Ephesus was a place of philosophy, sensuality. People lived out according to their flesh. They gratified and satisfied their flesh. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, it says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in, that is in Christ Jesus, not in the goddess of Diana, not in the philosophies that were surrounding him. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others, join with me in suffering like a good soldier in Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. And who is Timothy's commanding officer? Jesus Christ lah. It's not a question. Who called Timothy? Jesus Christ. Yeah? It was to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing. Everybody say. Except by competing. Come on, you can do better than that. Except by competing. According to the rules. We must compete according to the rules. We live in a society where we want things done according to our ways, our rules, our happiness, our terms, our conditions. El Shaddai, the great I Am, gave us an instruction book. I know Many of us don't like to read instruction manuals. You buy a gadget back home, straight away, you will try and figure it out yourself. You press this button on, ah, there, there, we can try and work it out already. We can make it work. But the instruction manuals are there for a purpose. If you buy a blender, there are some things that you cannot, absolutely cannot put inside. You don't put in metal nails inside. It will surely destroy the entire blender, correct? The glass will break, the plastic will break, the blades will break. Break. You don't do that. Do not put in any metal things inside the blender. The manufacturer tells you what you can and you cannot do with the blender, correct? It tells you, you know, if you change the components, if you put on this particular container, you can start milling things. And if you don't read the instruction, you'll never know that, oh, actually, I have a miller all this while. I never knew. Ten years, now the motor is dying already. Now only I found out, actually, I could have milled my black pepper in it. 
the God who created the heavens and the earth, who knew how, who knows how it all functions, who knows how it all works together, who knows what is good and what will not will destroy your life, He's given us an instruction. It was never to limit us. Sometimes we look at this book and say, ah, so many limitations, so many do, so many don't, so difficult to live out the whole Word of God. It was never to limit us. When you read the instruction manual of your blender, of your microwave oven, or whatever it is that you buy, you finally find out exactly how to maximize the use of that product. God gave you His Word so that you can maximize your life in Him. This word in here contains all of life's secrets, all of life's instructions. You must compete according to the... You must compete according to the rules. You've got to do it God's way. Joshua 1.8 says this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, and you may, that you may observe to do according to... According to... Some of it. Parts of it that I like. Parts of it that suits me. Parts of it that are convenient. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says, observe to do according to... All that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, it will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Wow. I want good success. I don't want mediocre success. I want good success. I want good success. How many of you want good success? Oh, only, okay, only two persons want good success. Very good, this church. How many of you want good success? Come on. I want good success. But you've got to compete according to the rules. If you had, yesterday I said this to the service, if you had a physical Bible in your hands, and if you look through it, and you start tearing out pages of the instructions that you don't like, oh yeah, this part here is so hard to do, I tear out. You, you ask me to not live like this, I tear out. I wonder how much of the Bible you have left. Because we choose what we like and what we don't like. But yet we all want the blessings, the full blessings of God in our lives. You have to do it God's way. So that you have good success. How many want good success again? Come on, raise up your hands. Father, I declare good success over your people. I declare success over their children. I declare success over their business. I declare success over the companies that they are working for so that they will reap from that success. I declare success in their marriages. I declare success, oh God, in their lives, in all that they do in the name of Jesus. As we follow and obey your word, success will follow us and it will not just be success, it will be good success. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do it God's way. And finally, he says this to Timothy, you live with confidence in God. Live with confidence in God. Timothy was afraid, was timid. That's why Paul says, 
in Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse six. He said six and seven. He goes, Paul, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. But Timothy was afraid. He was timid. He was intimidated. He felt incapable, perhaps, fulfilling the task that was assigned to him. Have you ever felt? Have you ever felt intimidated and, 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 and unsure of your position? And I can't do it. I can't raise these kids. Perhaps some of you are shouting, I don't know how to raise my kids. I can kill them, but I can't raise them. Sometimes we feel that way when they are disobedient and they are hard to control. You felt like you're trapped and you can't show it. And here Timothy is looking good on the outside, pastoring a church in Ephesus. But Paul knew he was crumbling inside. And that's why he wrote this book. That's why he wrote it the way he wrote it, to remind Timothy. Can I be very honest with you? Okay, never mind, don't answer. I will still be honest with you whether you are say yes or no. Some things happened about 14, 15 years ago. But I only found out about, about what happened maybe about 12 years ago. So between the time when, I, when it happened and when I found out what truly happened, I made some choices, I behaved in a certain way, that I'm not proud of myself. And I will live to perhaps regret it for the rest of my life. But even when I found out what truly happened, it was something that I could not share with anyone. I felt really trapped because there was no one to talk to. The situation was in such a mess that, that saying it out would have been crazy. I was a mess inside. No one knew. I just kept doing what I always did. And I thank God. God sent Pauls into my life. They came in forms of visiting speakers. They came in forms of random people who walked up to me, who didn't know what I was going through, and spoke life into me. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are His. People around you may not know what you're going through. People around me didn't know what I was going through. But God knew. And He found me where I was. Some of you may have realized, may have noticed when different speakers came, a lot of times they would call me out 
on stage to pray for me. You probably be wondering, how come? Uh, why come they always pray for Pastor Gwen? Yeah, because Pastor Gwen needed it. <laughs> because no one else knew what was going on. Whether it was on stage, off stage, backstage, inside stage, whatever stage, God spoke. He spoke life. He spoke confidence. He released freedom into my heart. And I speak this over you. I don't know what some of you are going through. But your confidence has to be in God. Not in any human being. Not in man. Not in structures. Not in circumstances. Not in what you, is evident, evidentially seen in the physical. Your confidence has to be in God. Because that is the only solid foundation that you have. Paul was telling Timothy, Timothy, I understand. Things around you seem shaky. Things around you seem like it's so difficult to handle. This church of yours, you've got church members who are, who are educated, who are philosophers, who are teachers, who are perhaps you know, so, so well-versed in the Bible. He was telling Timothy, don't be shaken. You have been called as an apostle by your commanding officer, which is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. You're standing on a solid ground that cannot be shaken. A foundation of God, the foundation of God stands having this seal and the Lord knows those who are His. The Lord knows those who are His. I don't know what you've been going through. But I want you to know God is faithful. God is really faithful. He has brought you so far, He is going to continue to bring you for the rest of your journey. You are on solid ground. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is inside you. It has to start from the inside. It's an inside job. Don't break the rules. Don't break the rules. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Black is black, white is white. No matter how many people you find agreeing with you on a certain compromise or sin, no matter how big the organization or the movement is, if the Word of God says it's not okay, it's not okay. You're all not saying very much now. May not like what I, what I say, but I'm not scared of you. I love you enough to tell you what is the truth. You need to follow the rules. And you need to live with confidence that comes from God and God alone. Because circumstances around you are going to get more and more evil. The days are becoming more and more evil. And that is a fact. But as those circumstances around you get tougher, the only thing that you are going, the only way that you are going to survive 
and thrive. Not just survive, but thrive. And live a life that is beyond limits. Is when you recognize that you stand on a solid ground, a solid foundation that does not shake. Paul ends his letter to Timothy, like I mentioned earlier, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. He says, And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life. You see, he, he himself knew he doesn't have much time left. And I'm ready to be offered as a sacrifice. Oh, I love this version. He says here, I have fought an excellent fight. Wow, it's not just any other fight. It's not just getting it through life, surviving life. I have fought an excellent fight. Wow, I want to fight an excellent fight. I want to be able to say that I fought an excellent fight. And I finished my full course. I finished my full course. And I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. And I know my God will reward me on this day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for His unveiling. It's basically telling us, guess what? This crown is not just for Paul. It's for every single one of you who will continue to fight a fight, an excellent fight. For those of you who are willing to say, God, yes, I will keep and I'll finish the full course of my race and I will keep my heart full of faith no matter what happens, no matter what shakes me. I will live, I will be able to stand up against it and live a life that is beyond limitations. Because it's all in you. God has placed it in you. The capacity, the potential, the all, the seed that He has in you will one day grow and take on its form. And it shall bloom and do all that God has called you to do. But you've got to follow His ways. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I want you to consider this. You know this scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, is a scripture that we find a lot on a lot of tombstones. A lot of family members say, ah, yeah, this, this, this scripture embodies this person. It's always like an afterthought, you know. But when Paul wrote this, he was well alive. I wonder how many of us can actually say, like Paul say today, I have fought an excellent fight. finished the full course and I have kept my faith I have lived a life that's above every limitation that man has put on me above every limitation that my past could have helped me and I have finished my race let's worship a lot of this song